This is Game Theory, a podcast about competition, strategy, and decision-making, hosted by me, Nick Andrews, and my brother, Chris. In this episode, we got it, let's try it, and rate it 1 through 10. TikToker Keith Lee has been reviewing restaurants for a number of years now, focusing mostly on those restaurants that may have excellent food and customer service, but not the best marketing. But he also reviews some of the most recommended places when he travels to a new city. For example, in Chicago and Detroit, he had neighborhood joints in an all-out war to serve the best chicken in town. But when he went to Atlanta and documented his experience, things got a little weird. Some of Atlanta's hottest restaurants were not able to serve Keith takeout food because they didn't want to. Wait times were more than an hour. Essentially, the rules were strange, and as a result, so were his reviews. Those reviews pointed out just how hard and annoying it is to dine out in Atlanta. It sparked a firestorm of online discourse about the power of reviewers, supporting Black-owned businesses, and customer service. It raises an important point. Are some reviewers too powerful? Or is it on the restaurants to be better? Is it acceptable to negatively review something? Welcome to episode 94 of Game Theory, a podcast about competition, strategy, and decision-making. Wait, just kidding. It's episode 93. Uh, Chris was like, where was he going with that? You had some emergency work travel that took you to God's most hated territory, the Ohio State, just the Ohio State. And as a result of that, we couldn't record in a timely manner. We thought about releasing everything. It just kind of happened. It fell apart. We're like, well, we'll do it a day late. We've been doing it a day late, but now we're back to our normal schedule. And as a result of that, Chris owes player three uh, 100 push-ups. Yeah, go ahead and put those on my tab. I will do them at some point in my life, but just not today. There was a weird convergence of a lot of things sure. going on yeah. that day. Last Tuesday would have been Halloween, Yeah, but I feel like everybody kind of got their Halloween energy out the weekend before on the 27th and 28th instead of the 31st. Like you said, I had to travel to one of the states of all time, Ohio. <laughs> I, I do want to apologize to the people of Ohio. Yeah. I was very disrespectful while I was there. And I'd like to apologize for not being disrespectful directly to your face. <laughs> Cleveland no, is nice. Right, it, save it was, your it Cleveland bad, is I, nice stuff. Save your Cleveland is nice stuff. I've heard it's nice. Cleveland it's is fine. nice. Yeah, they, well, that's what I hear. Cleveland is nice. Brunuts, incredible stuff. The Cleveland bagels, unbelievable. Sure. Food scene is is really remarkable. Cleveland is actually a very nice looking city oh, as okay. well. I will say, I think it has a unique aesthetic, and I think it's unique to the Rust Belt. And people, a lot of people live in the Rust Belt, so they say it's not unique. Well, no, that's just that's just because people who live in a place don't think it's unique. I think Ohio is pretty nice, but you're right. I did have to go there. Didn't bring my equipment with me. Had to do my real big boy responsibilities. And so we just, we didn't get pucks deep. We didn't get pucks in the net. We didn't win the hockey game. Mm. So player three from the bottom of my microphone, I apologize. And I'll, <laughs> I'll do those push-ups and we'll, we're just trying to get better every day. Yes. Well, <laughs> as a result of that, we're back and it's not Halloween anymore. However, it is your no. birthday. 
Um, if you're listening to this on the day me. that the podcast drops, um, and happy birthday to you, you are 34 when you're older than me now. How did you do that? I took advanced courses ah. throughout my education, and that time kind of stacked up. It's like that guy that figured out that morning, noon, and night are kind of different times. He's like, yeah, I, I break my day up into a one eight-hour chunk. That's one day. And then I got another eight-hour chunk. That's, boom, from, from 12 to 8, that's another eight-hour chunk. That's, yeah. Then from 8 to 8, boom, that's 12-hour chunk. That's three days to your one day. That's, so like, I've, been doing, I've been doing that model for the last little bit here. What I would call one year, what you would call three years. So it's, it's stacking up. I love those guys. Those are my favorite genre of videos in the history of the world. At 4 to 4.20, I'm listening to a book on double speed. Then 4.20 to 5 a.m., I'm on a treadmill with our wife. We are doing a meditation where we over-dopamine the mind, and we think about our best bodies, and then we lift for two hours. <laughs> okay. If you use a treadmill to spin in a circle, you burn 3.14 times more calories because a circle is pie. It's circular. It's round. It's mm. irrational, but it gets you going. It's Harvest. more than that linear thinking that you're taught in school. Yeah, the people in teaching schools, they're only teaching linear thought. No, spin around in circles on a treadmill. I guarantee it's going to improve your lifestyle. Harvest. By the way, we're, we're making fun of this right now, yeah. but I, I do wonder just how close are we in the eyes, of, well, I guess the ears of listeners to that. Mm. Do you think we're do you think we're approaching that singularity? Well, we have to Dude, be getting closer to that. I, over time. I'm not. I'm not high at all. Because we right said now. some dumb things on this show. Yeah, <laughs> that's a tough. That's a tough question. For I don't know. I yeah. that's a tough one. I think um, no, we're not close at all. I don't think that they want to be singular with us. In any way, I would 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 be my guest today. We're talking about the Keith Lee review drama, and so we're gonna throw some Dave Portnoy in there as well, and just the power of reviews and what internet things can do, and the good and the bad. And as a result of that, I want to say very clearly, there's a part of this conversation that's happening on the internet that we are not really capable of participating in, and that is like black-owned businesses and their relationship with their surrounding black community. That is a whole separate discourse happening around this Keith Lee situation because Keith Lee is a black man. I think he's like, he's between 25 and 30 or something. He's got a young family and he's that kind of age demographic. And then uh, all, the majority of the businesses that he reviewed in Atlanta were black-owned businesses. And so there is that's a conversation that needs to be had in that community and that geography as well. I think it's an Atlanta-specific thing. So I just want to say that Right now, I'm not going to not acknowledge that that's a huge part of this because it is a huge part. And I believe me, I have consumed every morsel of this Keith Lee in Atlanta drama. I love business drama more than I love drama drama. That's what kind of TikTok algorithm I'm on, Chris. I like that kind of stuff. It is good. It's, it's interesting. I remember you saying this to me a few years ago that the kind of demand for information and news. I mean, there's, there's always going to be the people who are consuming stuff about like world events. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. There's a lot of, there's a lot of conflict in a lot of like different disparate regions of the globe. But I remember you saying that over the next several years, as social media becomes people's like dominant form of entertainment over watching like television or something as environments on digital spaces become more curated to what each person wants as the algorithm works, it's magic on whatever site you're on the demand and the consumption for news is going to be focused on the hyper local, mm -hmm. the real kind of personal human interest stories, the stuff you would see in like op-ed write-ups or in lifestyle sections of local newspapers. And I remember you saying that that was going to continue to be a trend. And yeah. I, I think this is a good example of that. I mean, I, I didn't know who Keith Lee was until you told me about this, but I've since learned a lot about, I mean, he's a, he's a popular person yeah. in a lot of different communities and he uses his kind of digital presence 
to span a lot of different gaps. And I think he's providing some really good, like a valuable voice to a lot of different communities. Like you said, you're, you're exactly right. We're not, we're not here to talk about the, uh, the racial dynamics at play here. We're not about to start talking about like dissecting the ins and outs of how the black community should respond to this or that event happening with black owned businesses. That's an important part of this story, but it's not one that we're qualified to tell. We're just not involved in the area. We're also not from Atlanta. Like you said, although I'm happy to show once in Atlanta. Yeah, me too. Yeah, no, I'll 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 gladly do that. Just as <laughs> yeah. in in general, just as a city. No, I, I I was there once for a little bit, and I tried this really delicious Mediterranean restaurant. It was like one of the top reviewed restaurants on Yelp, and it's in like a food court in a downtown kind of mm-hmm. business center. I did I did oh. cross like a hotel conference center skybridge to get there. I have been in yeah. So Atlanta is really interesting in that like there's of course like many cities there's some dilapidated things going on. The last time I was there I was at the College Football Hall of Fame, which is in a According to everyone, a not great neighborhood that is being revitalized. It's by Turner Studios and things, and so apparently it's it's on the up and up or or whatever. But I, it's so big and sprawling. Atlanta is one of those cities in, in America that really could qualify to be kind of its own city state. It's so geographically large that it. I mean, you could drive for an hour and still be in Atlanta and like the Loop and the thing. Like it's there are like two downtowns. So yeah, so it's a huge, it's a huge geographical area. Obviously, the racial part of this is that it is a major hub historically and presently for uh, the black community. It is the I would say probably the capital of the South. It you know, largest airport in the world. It yep. is a major bustling city. Keith Lee is from Vegas. Actually, I don't know where he's from. He's from. Maybe I don't know. He's, he's like he's like based out of Vegas. Las Vegas. Yeah. Yes. So I, I I was able to find out some information about him, and uh, there's there's a really interesting write up about everything that happened when he took. Yeah. I think he took a family trip yes. to Atlanta, and he's done re- food reviews all over the place. He's been to you know Chicago and L.A. and Detroit, and he's he does reviews for a lot of restaurants in a lot of different cities. And so his presence truly does. It's not just like a local Vegas thing. So when he went to Atlanta, it was not unusual for him no. to be going to. <laughs> a different city and doing these kind of food reviews. But I think Atlanta, I, I don't know if it's like the food scene. I, I yeah, don't know. I don't know scene. what the real story is there, but something, something happened in Atlanta yep. that so, kind of made this a, a little different trip for Keith. He Lee. had some tough, he had some tough reviews and it really blew people's minds. And immediately people like me started scooping up the drama and the morsels. And I want to say also something that I really like um, from the, from a racial standpoint is that all of the people that I've heard commenting on this have been black, mostly creators in Atlanta discussing the relationship between this outsider, Keith Lee from Vegas with their local community in Atlanta and being like, this is the food scene. This is what's going on. But let, let's go back to Keith Lee. He started doing reviews and the idea was that he was just going to review some local food in Vegas, maybe in California, whatever. He then rose to insane prominence. And as a result of that, he kind of changed his MO. I found him when he did one of his most famous reviews, like, the week or two it went up, it was for this pizza joint. Uh, it was run by a man named Frank. Uh, Frank and Sons had no, somebody DM'd him and said reviews. He was just doing reviews. Like he, I think he could walk into the businesses and just do reviews. It has like 60 something million views. And he ate this stuff and he was like, man, this is really good. But he also said, you know, your French fries are bland. This, this hoagie is perfect, whatever. Did a review, it was really great. And then, you know, uh, you can follow Frank and Sons. The business is booming now. The message that he received was some was from someone at the restaurant that said, Food is great. Frank's the man. We don't have any marketing. We're in Vegas. We're dying. Help us out. Which is what one of the things that reviews like. I like hole in the wall stuff. That's one of my, the more my double edged sword qualities where it's like redeeming, but also makes me kind of like a DB, you know, <laughs> like a little bit of a uh, hipster asshole. Yeah, well, you, you- 
So you you do have the authenticity. You do go to a lot of holes in the wall. Yeah. You you go to a lot of places that are kind of off the beaten path. You enjoy some quality stuff. You get the benefit sure. out of it. I will say you do indulge in the guilty pleasure of every single person who is also like that, yeah. which is to say that you brag about that quality. Yeah. And it's unfortunately, it, it, well, it puts everybody in a position where like we're just forced to respect that yeah. because <laughs> you've done the legwork. Yeah. You found kind the of. hard to go to places. And sometimes holes in the wall are really crappy. Yes. Like sometimes there's a reason they're off the beaten path yes. and they're not good. But when you those. find places that are really enjoyable, there's a good vibe, there's yeah. quality food, there's polite service, there's nice people. When you find that kind of place, it's really rewarding. But you do let everybody know about it. And I, so it, it does create like a different it, – It's it helps people – learn about new businesses and, and it helps the business grow, sure. but it does kind of change the vibe. It's like, well, you know, everybody's been here like yeah. now, now Keith Lee's been here. So everybody, everybody goes there. So it's not really a hole in the wall anymore. So it's, it's like you're, you, you can't really go to the original hole in the right. wall because it's been replaced by something else. Right. You want the business. Like, listen, I, I would rather the business thrive. No doubt. Like, and, and oh, they sure. deserve, sure. and they, they not putting your, putting your effort into being a good business person, just not understanding how to re reach audiences it's a bummer that businesses fail that way. And marketing is like, you know, it's, it's the, the, the evil guy on your shoulder. That's like the most important thing. So he started that way. He then blew up and he changed his MO, which I find to be like from a game theoretical standpoint, this Keith Lee guy is a huge nerd. You can tell by the way he talks. He's a really genuine, easygoing, nerdy guy. And so he is doing this kind of like a scientific experiment. He doesn't want special treatment after he rose to prominence. So what he'll do is he'll call ahead or he'll send his wife or someone in the family and he'll wait in the car and he does the reviews mostly in his car, sometimes at his house, but he doesn't go in the restaurant. He doesn't want the restaurant to know that it's him doing a review. And he usually, he usually gets like seven or eight things from the menu, drops like 50 to 150 bucks, depending on whatever. And he tries a bunch of stuff and I imagine his family eats the rest of it or I don't know what happens to the rest of the food. But after this big Vegas thing blew up, he doesn't do restaurants anymore, which is a really important part of this. So now he's traveling around the country. He goes, and, but the difference between him traveling around the country and him reviewing local stuff is he, when he goes to new cities, he now mixes in popular places, which is where this is going to get weird in Atlanta. So he goes to Chicago and he's like, okay, what are the places I have to try as sort of like a Guy Fieri? And then what are the places that like, you know, deep in the DMs are like, please help me. Please help me. I'm just trying to grow my business. And then usually oftentimes it's an employee that's messaging him being like, the owner is doing everything right. No one's eating here. So that's right. So he goes to Chicago. Interesting. There are different neighborhoods in Chicago that like know he's there and they're like, be on your shit. We will have the best chicken in Chicago. And Detroit had the same thing. People going out of their way like, yo. And then he blew up some spots in Detroit um, that didn't have a lot of uh, a traffic and it was a really big, great thing. Like it was helpful to the businesses or whatever. So now he's going to the ATL and things are about to get weird. I didn't know that a lot of successful Atlanta restaurants were so horrible to their customers. <laughs> I had no idea. He goes to Atlanta and a lot of people are stitching his reviews being like, we've been saying, we've been saying where what's been going on so that that's part of this too it's him going to the big popular restaurants and they are a little bit different situation because they can kind of be like yeah we don't really give a shit about customer service we're making plenty of money yeah and uh, you know i i have a thing with customer service i think it's an important part of the going out experience i mean you're not you're not going just because somebody can make really good food i mean right. sometimes you are and sure. that's like you know michelin style michelin star quality but when you get to that point part of the experience is going out and like being treated well and being treated like you're paying a lot of money for quality food and, and a good experience. And I think, you know, DC does not have very good 
you know, where, where I live in DC, it does not have good quality customer service. Mm. It really, it, it just doesn't, you know, there are, there are plenty of places that do, but by and large, people don't really care, but they're not hurting for foot traffic because a lot of the places that people will go to are in dense walkable urban areas. Like the kind of place that like a 25 year old who gets really into biking and like bicycling through the city, like the kind of places that those people would be really, really excited about. And when you're in that type of place, you don't really have to be super nice. You don't really have to draw a lot of people there because most of the time you're busy enough that at a certain point, customers just become overwhelming. So it's not like you have to be super nice. Yeah. Now I, I get the impression from reading about what happened with Keith Lee and his reviews in Atlanta, that something similar was at play here where all the popular restaurants and all the, the, the necessary go-to <laughs> spots in Atlanta are so busy all the time. They have such big crowds there in such high demand that they don't really have to be super nice and go out of their way to, to give customers a good time because people are going to come anyway. And it doesn't matter how well people enjoy the experience. If the money keeps walking through the door, then the business is doing just fine. So yeah. I don't know if it's just like a like a gradual decay of caring about people over time. I don't know if it's because there's not enough supply to meet the demand for brunch. You know, in yeah, I'm reading this. Uh, there, there's a New York Times write up about this. I mean, this really made it into the mainstream here. Yes, this article by uh, Emmett Linder. Sorry, Emmett Lindner. Lindner. Okay. It's uh, it, it's a good write up, but there, there's there's people in here talking about okay, yeah, everybody does brunch, but Atlanta does brunch big time. I mean, it's like a it's a huge vibe here, and so uh, to me that calls to mind like, all right, well if if a place is really busy all the time, they don't really need to make people feel welcome. If a if a restaurant has guaranteed supply of customers coming in i mean if 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 it's if it's bringing people in and out of the door every week especially on brunch times then you don't really need to make a special effort to make people feel like they're out for a good time you can just kind of treat them like okay this is a financial transaction you'll wait like everybody else we're not going to make a big deal about it because you're going to pay us anyway you'll wait for us anyway and that's that but the problem is that makes it really unpleasant to kind of go to places so like you you, you want to go out you want to enjoy yeah. brunch with your friends you want to have a good time but it's really kind of a big to do and then suddenly you know the brunch scene it's like it's like uh what did yogi bear say like yeah nobody goes there anymore it's too crowded nobody goes there anymore it's too crowded yeah so this is okay so you're you're right and you're you're wrong both things are true so i think in this situation what you're having in dc is like a little it's 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 a labor situation as well we're like the restaurants can't hire anybody, so they have to deal with whatever. What happened with Keith Lee, the customer service in terms of his interaction with people like waitstaff was great. The problem was that the restaurants don't have to care about him. That's, I mean, it was a systemic top-down. It was like if, if in D.C. they were like, yeah, don't help these people out at all. Fuck them. Like, they don't, I don't give a shit if they eat here. There's so many people wanting to eat here. I don't really care. So that, like, that's sort of the situation. Like, I completely agree with you, and I found that D.C., there's just a level of coldness that's super annoying. And when I eat in New York, I kind of like it. They're all trying to be actors and, and stockbrokers, so they're working their ass off, and they understand that maybe this guy's a powerful person, but in, in reality, they're probably just another New York a-hole. Um, so I've, I've found that New York customer service has been great because everybody's, everybody there is trying to make it. They're, they save their uh, self-hatred for when they get home to their 400-square-foot studio apartment. <laughs> I like they're, that. They're, yeah, and they're and they're three roommates in that same apartment. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I thought I thought Philly was the was kind of the same as what you're describing. I've, yeah. I've never I've never actually gone out to eat in New York. I only went there as a as a kid in high school. We went on a, oh. on a trip there for band. Right. So I've never really done New York in any meaningful way. And uh, I the, the the way that you're describing 
people are kind of nice. They're all kind of trying to make it. They're a little bit more personable. They save their self hate for privacy of their own home. <laughs> yeah. uh, Philadelphia gives me that same sure. kind of vibe. I've, I've enjoyed going out there. Every single place that we've gone to in Philly was been, has been really nice. And it, I get the sense that people are just really passionate about being restaurateurs or being bartenders. Yes, that's or, exactly right. You know, where, where, whatever the case is. Um, there's just not that in DC no. it, it, and you know, maybe there is, maybe it's like from, from place to place, but you're right. I mean, it, there's just like a cold impersonal flair that people have. It, it's, it's, shocking how far like the lengths to people to which people will go here to pretend that they don't notice the existence of other human beings it, it, i mean it's it's stunning and I, I'm, I'm always wondering what's so fascinating 500 yards in the distance when we're the only two people around <laughs> yeah it's it, it's it's really upsetting and unfortunate but you know i i i I'm kind of projecting that onto the restaurant scene here. I don't know what the dynamics are like in Atlanta. You know, I've, the, the the couple of times I've been there, people have been really nice and really friendly, and it's generally an outgoing place. It seems to me, you know, it's one of the one of the biggest cities in the south, one of the biggest cities in America. You know, it's a it's an important cultural hub. So, you know, you don't really expect to get this kind no. of off-putting, don't really care type of crappy customer service that everybody's talking about yep. in the Atlanta restaurant reviews, especially around brunch time. So, yes. So now let's let's talk about, let's go into detail what happens. So he goes to Atlanta. There are two restaurants that are super famous that are on his list of things to try. There are a couple of other spots that haven't been blown up, and he blew those places up, and I don't remember what they're called, and we'll get to one of them in a minute. But they are called The Real Milk and Honey and The Atlanta Breakfast Club. And the way that his his reviews for those were legendary Keith Lee reviews. I've been following Keith Lee, and I'm a, I am a weirdo. I know that you don't understand this in TikTok drama i my beige flag there's a meme my beige flag is that i will swipe over to my following tab in tiktok and i will spend a couple hours on the following tab instead of just because the way do you know how tiktok works you'll spend a couple hours yeah i follow my follow i i i getting a follow from me is not a whimsical thing and it's not an endorsement i follow you have you become an ipad kid uh no i have however scrolled long enough to get the TikTok generated TikTok that says, hey, you've been scrolling for way too long. Or, hey, are you doom scrolling instead of sleeping again? And TikTok does send those messages out. And you're like, oh my God, TikTok had to police me themselves. It's really embarrassing. So the, really the Chinese Communist Party right. is policing you. Well, the, Americans, on the American office of, and we're alleging that we would love to be big on TikTok. Um, okay, so yeah. I, I have been following him ever since the cool Vegas review where he blew up Frankenstein's. And I watched most of them and I... I'm abreast of things. I he his videos are like between a minute you're, and you're, you're abreast of things. I'm abreast of his reviews. I know I know where he is in like L.A. and Detroit. I was following the Detroit stuff. I, his his reviews are one to three minutes. Occasionally, you're not in the mood for a review, but I just like I check them out. So I watched this. I saw the real milk and honey thing back when it had like four four thousand likes. It's up to like ten million or something. So uh, you saw it like organically. I, yeah, I yeah I follow him. So he shows up when he has a new video. It shows up quickly for me. He's one of like the thirty or forty follow people that I follow that. I am. I consume their content. So uh, when this happened, it was like Good he goes, him. the way he goes, he, the way he talks about things. Like I got it. Let's try it and rate it one through ten. And it's like his thing, right? I got it. Let's try it. Let's rate it one through ten. So he says that nice. I got it. Let's try it and rate it one through ten. And then he comes back. You'll notice there's no food in my hand. And at that point, you're like, oh, this is gonna be good. Oh, but yep, we're we're in for some juicy oh. gossip today, right? So then the real milk and honey and the Atlantic Bre Atlanta Breakfast Club are the two popular successful spots that don't need a Keith the review it's more him being like check this stuff out in Atlanta 
The real milk and honey was open and people were filtering in and out. He sends his wife up. Well, he calls ahead. Can I get an order for takeout? They're like, no, fuck off. We don't do that. Which like, okay. And then fair enough. He's like, fair enough. But the people that were talking with him, again, they're nice to him. This is me representing the restaurant. They were nice to him. He walks in, says, uh, can I get an order for takeout? In person, he says this. They're like, no. And then they're like, well, can we eat here? And they're like, we're actually closed. Like, well, there are people, huh? And this is not happening to him. This is happening to his wife. So then he was like, we had to go somewhere else. Like, <gasps> wow. Whew. So they just, they just simply couldn't get in. They didn't. Yeah. Then they didn't want to do that. So you're like, Oh, what a blown up spot. And that's his review. He just says what happens. It's like, Man. so then we went somewhere else. And he's again, this guy is a nerd. He's not saying like, screw those guys. He's like, yep, they have weird rules. It is what it is. Not everything's the same. The people that talked to us were nice. We went somewhere else. Like, okay. And well, like, that's the well, thing that about this. It's so be... great. He's so nice. He's such a nice guy. Well, he seems to be based on like, Honesty seems to be his hallmark. hundred oh, percent. I mean, for for a guy who has established a social media presence, for who probably gets recognized from time to time, especially in an industry that's kind of as uh, circular and interconnected as the restaurant industry, it's it, it's kind of cool that he has other people doing the reviews on his behalf so that he can maintain some level of objectivity. Yeah. And you know, you you've been describing it the entire time. It, it, in what sounds like an honest way to me, you know, he'll talk about the things that are great. He'll talk about the things that are not great. You know, the New York Times article is it. He says, you know, he's talking about like surcharges for things that shouldn't be surcharged. Right. Like, yeah, there's a dollar for butter for yes. bread. Yep. Like, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. But you know, it, for a guy to stay committed to honesty in reviews, I think there's real value in that. And I and I think that's the thing that maybe draws a lot more people to respect his social media reviews. Like he's not doing it for clout and he's not doing it so that he can like shamelessly promote a business without saying anything that's not positive about it. Yeah. People perceive that as more authentic and they're more inclined to judge it as valuable or useful or uh, a good reflection of whatever the restaurant is or whatever the community is like. Yeah. So I, I think that kind of, adds to his following and, and adds to the appeal here. Yeah. Which is why when he gives a negative review like this one and tells the honest truth about what happened, people take it really seriously. And they go, wow, wow, this is a, this is a moment to pay attention because this is really out of the ordinary for such an honest person to say something that's so shocking. Yes. Like and it this. wasn't even, it wasn't even the way he said it. Like, it, and here's the thing that I think is important from a game theory standpoint, a content consumption standpoint, the substance of his reviews are irrelevant. When there's drama like this, more people will watch them, <clears throat> but he can make money on TikTok as a creator because he has such a big presence and such a predictable presence. TikTok wants you to be addicted to TikTok. So the people that get you addicted to TikTok, they kick money to. Like that's, and YouTube yeah. kind of does the same thing, not enough, and Instagram kind of, and they should probably do it more. But TikTok famously has been the one where you could like, the early adopters that get millions of followers, they could quit their, they make like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, if not more. They want you to be addicted to TikTok. And as a result of that, it doesn't matter what he says. As long as he does the thing that we came for, which is like find some hole in the wall spots, find some famous places, review it in Keith Lee style. It was like this, this, this is lemon zest. And he does like the zoom in thing and his eyes and it's really great. Or something's like, mm, this fry was bland, 2.1 out of 10. And like, okay, well, put some salt on your fries, guys. And then I've seen restaurants respond to him. And the comments like, yeah, you know what? We're going to season our chicken better, which like, fair enough. His style is why we're there. It does not, he's not kicking up drama because it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not going to watch it Keith Lee anymore. I actually might watch him less because I want to see reviews, not him responding to Chad Ochocinco. That's why I'm there. So that's, I mean, he does yeah. not, 
it doesn't matter if he says negative or positive. I just am there for him to, to review the stuff, honestly. And we'll get to this in a minute when we talk about Dave Portnoy, the, the god of Barstool Sports, doing his pizza reviews. Dave Portnoy and Keith Lee feel like representations of us. Like, what do we really want? It's like, well, I want a place where I can call in, give food that tastes good, and it's whatever. That's why it's great. So when you go to a place, his experience at Mil- Real Milk and Honey was exactly like the real experiences of many people who commented and stitched his video being like, yeah, you can't go there. They, don't, they just do whatever they want. They may be open, they may not. You can't take out whatever. The drama starts when Real Milk and Honey responds to Keith Lee, and they responded to him in a way that was so douchey, I literally cannot even. And as a result of that, the way that they've handled <laughs> this has Sorry. been... Has been can, can, you, well, yeah. can you express that again? You, they responded to him in a way that Douchely. was so douchey. Douchey. You literally cannot even. I literally cannot Sorry, even. Sorry, did we, did we hop into a time machine and go back to 2014? I literally cannot even the, explain the damage they've done there to themselves. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. thank you. Thank you. The damage yeah, they've done to their own restaurant, by the way that they've responded. It's got the owner sitting next to someone in his life. It could be a woman in his life, and this guy is in like a bougie pink jacket. And she's like, did you see what Keith Lee said about us? And he goes, who's Keith Lee? And like, oh, the internet immediately shit a chicken. They were like, bruh, no. And remember, so, he's a man so of the people. They, he's they did present. So they wrote a skit. Yes. Trying to pretend not to know who this guy was. Correct. Okay. That's a... Yes. <clears throat> that's a heck of a strategy correct and so now there are tiktoks of real milk and honey on like fridays and saturdays and not super full anymore they're only one of the they're only half of this story the other people i think actually are worse but the way the real milk and honey responded makes them look worse but i think the atlanta breakfast club is worse in my in my opinion and this is again the game theory at the game theory aspect of this is treat all of your customers like they're Keith Lee. Live every day like your mom is watching, right? So live every day like your mom is watching. Treat all your customers like Keith Lee. That's a good. That's yeah. a good motto for us as we kind of sure. close out twenty twenty three and go into twenty twenty four. Agree more. So he goes to the Atlantic Breakfast Club and he sends his wife to go do takeout, and they're like, again, fuck off. We don't do takeout. Why would we want to make money? And then there. then his wife goes up to try to get a table. It is an hour and a half wait estimated time. And there are people in cars that are like, we're waiting. And like, why are you waiting in your car? Well, no water, can't sit inside the restaurant, no coffee, can't sit, can't loiter in the restaurant. If you're waiting for the restaurant, you sit in your car because they don't want you around. Holy shit, right? That is shocking to me. So then the restaurant, I I forget, I forget if he went up to them or something, but the restaurant figured out that this woman was Keith Lee. They had a table for him. Wow. Yes, that, and then all the people you, in the cars are like, they got a table for you? Together. They got a table for you? Hmm, it's crazy. Yeah, imagine that. And he said... You just skip the line. I'm going to decline the penalty. We're out. He's like, that, I'm not doing special treatment. We're gone. We're leaving. And they Wait left. for him. Yes. So now all of these people stitching these videos are like, yep, 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 yep. This is how the businesses have been treating us like it's a privilege for us to dine there, not like they want to give us customer, give us a service in exchange for money. And now they're being called out. They did, again, this is the racial part of this is that these restaurants, which are black owned, tried to play the race card on Keith Lee, who is one of the most prominent black voices in America at this, like at this moment in time. Um, so I, I'm staying out of that, but that is like, they tried to play the race card. Everyone's like, but Keith's black, what are we doing? I don't know. That's part of this. I'm out. Of, I'm not commenting on any of that, but everyone else in Atlanta was like, this is how they've been treating us. They've been treating us like it's a privilege to eat at their places. And now Keith Lee is here and pointing it out to the planet. So people that didn't know about the real milk and honey being bullshit or the Atlanta Breakfast Club being bullshit 
um, they they're experiencing it now. The restaurants both responded not in a we're going to do better. This is an indictment, but in a fuck off, you don't know. This is just trying to bring us down. They tried to like, they're just trying to bring down businesses. They're trying to bring down black businesses. And everyone's like, why am I waiting three hours for your food? I can watch takeout. That, that gets us to, uh, I think a universal life lesson. So Nick, have you ever read how to win friends and influence people? No, but I am aware. I thought it has to make friends. This is Carnegie, right? How to win friends and influence people. Yeah. So this is Dale Carnegie. You wrote this in like the twenties and like 1921. That's that's like most self-help books are garbage. I heard a, a bookstore owner once describe them as uh, the fast food of the book industry. Nice. Most of them are garbage, especially like if there's a swear word in the title, put that book down. The first if one was cool. You're being played. The first one was no, cool. No, I like no, it. No, it wasn't. No, no, no. That's that's false, uh, false authenticity. No, no let me I, I'm going to push back on this and say this is what happened was it was Iron Man and Iron Man 2. And then you know what? They're like, let's do this until everyone hates it forever. Let's make 90 of the, the the subtle art of not giving a fuck was awesome. All of the you are a badass and all that. That is horrible. The first one was sick. I didn't read it, but I know it. But in the publishing right. industry, well, it was well, like, people well, bought this because it's it's edgy. Let's just do it for a million years. Let's make all the Marvel comics that no one read or cared about into movies that waste everyone's time. You know, we're going to agree to disagree on both of those fronts. <laughs> all right. But regardless <laughs> of all the self-help books out there, How to Win Friends and Influence People is really, I, I think it's, it's good because it has interesting psychological insights on how people operate. And man, once you kind of realize how much time and energy people spend justifying themselves yeah a whole lot of things make a whole lot more sense so these restaurants getting this criticism getting this feedback and getting this negative attention it for them to respond in a way that's like aloof like oh we don't know who this person is we're too good for this or uh like mm, yeah hit take a hike, go tamp sand. We're not going to change the way we do things. Right. That is not a sign of somebody who is interested in any kind of like self-improvement. Like that's, that's a sign of somebody who does probably the most common human activity. I would say aside from like the biological functions of like breathing, people justify themselves almost all of the time. Almost all of the people do that. So for a restaurant owner, if you have a lot of people coming in and out of the door, the stakes are really low. Like you don't really need to stop and, and be introspective. You don't really need to take self-assessments because your money is coming in the door and that's the whole point of this operation. So you can afford to justify yourself and look like a clown and just respond really inappropriately and feel good about it. Like it feels really self-righteous to justify yourself like, wow, well, you know, this is just how we do things. Like you're just trying to tear me down. Like that's, that's nonsense. That's absolute nonsense. But if you're secure financially, if your business is doing okay, then you can afford to do those kind of things and not really have to pay for the mistakes. Yeah. But you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Ocho Cinco, yeah, Chad who Ocho is, Cinco. yes, uh, Chad Johnson, who is the artist formerly known as Ocho Cinco, who is the artist formerly known as the artist formerly known as Chad Johnson. He yes. changed his name twice. Right. I don't know if you Ch- knew that. He changed his name back. <laughs> yes. So he he rechanged his name, which I think counts as a second name change, but it is back to the original name, Chad Johnson. He played for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. Really great receiver. Really um, vibrant personality, let's say. Yes. He uh, is among the voices who are really critical of Keith Lee and in particular, he's critical of the fact that Keith Lee was criticizing black-owned businesses. Sure. There's a, a quotation here from CNN wrote this up, and they, they published it yesterday. So you know, this is this is the first week in November. They published it yesterday. Chad Onchocinco yeah. said, I don't like the fact of what he's doing. I don't like the critiquing of our restaurants. Our restaurants, I don't think Chad Onchocinco, 
it, Johnson owns yeah, a that's, restaurant. That's him representing uh, black-owned businesses. Right, yeah. So he's speaking on yeah. behalf of people who are working in a different industry than him. I don't right. like the critiquing of our restaurants and having people and talking bad about our gall-dang ga- businesses. Edited. Mm-hmm. He did not say gall-dang. <laughs> you know how hard it is for us to even get in the food industry and to have our own restaurants. What are we doing? So he's got a valid point there. I yeah, mean, sure. It's 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 difficult. It's it's a hard industry to be successful in, and it's a hard industry for people for minorities to be successful. No question. But he's basically coming after a guy whose reviews have had a net positive effect on restaurants. Yeah. And in general, when restaurants do well and when they deserve more attention and when they deserve more foot traffic, they get them after Keith Lee reviews them. In fact. Uh, the New York Times article uh, that I've cited a couple of times here, it, it, it makes a note. He has done collaborate. Keith Lee has done collaboration with uh, YouTuber Mr. Beast, mm-hmm. who I think is one of the most popular YouTubers. His, like he's, he, his videos have more views than any that aren't like music videos. Yeah, his conglomerate is the biggest channel. Yeah, he owns many channels and they're all like he, he's like the first YouTube network. Yeah, he's like a huge, huge, huge YouTube creator. Yeah. So he's like, he's bordering on on the edge of like being actually famous. Because being internet famous, no matter how big you are, you're not famous. Like you're famous on yeah. the internet amongst a circle yeah, of followers. It, it can have real life effects. Sure. It can it can make a difference. Keith Lee is an example of that. But so Keith Lee has collaborated with Mr. Beast. Uh, the, the article points out Mr. Beast has like 88 million followers on TikTok. So if they're mm-hmm. even a, a tenth as committed as you are to your followers, that's a <laughs> lot of people watching a lot of content. Yeah. So they see Keith Lee. And the point of the whole collaboration earlier this year was to support struggling restaurants. Yes. So if it's a case where a restaurant is doing all the right things, they're they're treating customers well, they make quality food, they're doing their best, but it's it's hard it's a hard industry to be successful in. When these reviewers come in, they bring attention to that spot because they bring eyeballs, they bring brains, they bring attention span, and that generates more foot traffic that makes people want to go and say, oh, I want to go experience the thing that Mr. Beast experienced. Oh, Keith Lee said this was really good and I trust his opinion. So I'm going to go ahead and and take a look. Yeah, that helps struggling businesses. So for this former NFL player to be critical of a guy who has helped struggling businesses in the past on racial grounds, when in fact the reviewer is also black, is I think super out of pocket. And I don't think that that helps the cause of the struggling restaurants anyway like being critical uh, like it's it's criticizing the critic which doesn't have like the rallying around the flag effect that's like oh yeah i'm i'm team real milk and honey yeah so i'm 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 real milk and honey till i die i don't care how many times i've had to wait in my car for two plus hours while being charged a dollar extra for butter i'm 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 with these guys ride or die that's not helpful yeah and so the, the the game theory here is like well you know, if you want to, if you want to generate a positive opinion, you just got to do the right thing. You do. Yeah. So I this, think this, it's a rare case where like good effort and heart are actually rewarded. Yes. When people bring attention to you doing the right thing. And so like there are a number of things at play here and I am, I would love to see more about like geography because I've, I've been on it for a long time about how geography is kind of underrated aspect of our lives. And I, I really, I went to community college and then I wanted to pick where I went to school. And I realized that the most important thing is where you want to live. It's not as important. Like what you want to study is not as important. Like the climate you're in proximity to people, the kind of size of city, that's so much more important than we can possibly imagine. And we're seeing that here where real milk and honey from a game theory standpoint, if real, if Atlanta breakfast club and old lady gang and other restaurants can, or I don't know if old lady gang is the right one. I forget. I think that might've been a struggling business. He helped out, but if the, 
well-performing restaurants in Atlanta are doing well and they can all treat their customers like fuck take out, fuck you, then none of them have to change. This is a, this is a very simple game theoretical situation. They can drive the quality down uh, because none of them are pushing each other. So like, then that's out at, in a, at, like I said, Philly different. And there are a lot of TikTokers who are like, he's kind of on a big tour right now. Keith Lee went to Chicago and Detroit and LA and Atlanta. Many TikTok creators from Detroit and Chicago were like, this wasn't a problem here, dog. Like he got his food at our good spots and he ate it and he liked it. So this is an Atlanta thing. The other thing I would like the big, the biggest proof that this is an Atlanta thing is Cardi B, one of the most famous musicians and rappers in the world. And what a huge, huge voice for a black community in many different geographies in the United States. And like, she is not internet famous. She's not American famous. She's globally famous. She's like, yeah, she's, yeah. A, she's a superstar. She is she's a, a world superstar. Famous superstar. Yes. She's like, I have to name drop to get fucking food in Atlanta. Like, I can't just go to a restaurant. I can't get, I have to say, Cardi B is coming. Get me some shit. And like, she says, it's impossible. She did an Instagram live talking about this Keith Lee thing. She literally went live two way in and be like, yeah, this, this guy is real. Atlanta sucks. I hate eating there. I hate playing there because this is a garbage experience for me. And at that point, and you're like, and the, the other thing about this, I'm going to respond to the Chad Ochocinco thing is I see this. This is an example. I'm not getting into this issue, but occasionally in a pro-life and pro-choice debate, it, people will make it seem like people are pro-abortion as if like, let's just all go get abortions. Like, no, some people are pro-choice to get an abortion and some people are pro don't do that. Similarly, Chad Ochocinco isn't saying like he's not pro milk and honey. He's not pro real milk and honey. He is pro don't hurt black businesses. However, I will say though, I don't love the term using the race card. I don't like when people say, yeah, they're using the race card. He's using the race card. She's using the race card. But yeah, that, that, that diminishes, that diminishes an issue that diminishes for sure. lived experience 100%. That, that tries to, yeah, that's, that's a lazy way of trying to get out of uh, addressing a, a significant right. dynamic but, at play, but we, we don't do that here, but I think it's a, an acceptable term when it is an intra-racial conversations like you and i should not be using that phrase for sure yeah, no, I mean, but that's, if that's it's silly. if within the black community policing each other and and discussing what's important black issues black in atlanta like that kind of thing that is a situation where i'm like how could you is he is he racist like, what are we doing i don't understand why do, it, real milk and honey's responses in in all of this could have been changed if their response had been hey we screwed up and then they did they did eventually issue an apology and i'm going to read that now after their First thing oh. it did is make the horrible TikTok. Second thing they did was like, here's what happened. Secondly, we work really, really, really hard, and it's just we don't want to deal with this. And then they issued this third thing. Um, and I, I can read it to you here in its entirety. Wait, I'll pull it up right here. Wait, hold on. For our YouTube so this listeners, is, this Chris. Is, this is the backlash to the backlash that they created, yes. which was backlash to the original backlash Correct. they received. So yes. we're, we're, on, three. we're on three degrees of backlash. Three here. degrees of backlash. So let's, uh, let's read the response. Let's read it. Wait, hold on. Hold on. It's on Instagram.com. There we go. Bam. I so for a YouTube audience, we can like see things now. How cool is that? <clears throat> Technology is amazing. From the Real Milk and Honey. Today, a week later, we extend our apologies to all as we address a recent incident that highlighted a review from a high-profile food blogger. I read that right? That highlight, a, I think so. A recent incident that highlight. Okay, I don't know. In no way were we trying to discredit anyone. If the comments came across as such, kindly accept our apologies. That sounds like a real apology. It's crucial to always take feedback and make improvements for the success of our business and our community. We've taken the time to reflect on the incident and have 
started internal corrective actions within our team regarding communication styles. The house rules are circulating. The house rules that are circulating are outdated. That's like about takeout and stuff. And current and current one is being published soon on our social platform so everyone can see it's a vibe or not rules. Last but not least, yeah. in no way, shape, or form is the woman circling on social media with comments on autism a manager associated with our business or has ever worked for us. Let's fact check before we lash out with false comments. So there was some false stuff going around. Thank you to our loyal customer base, our new followers and future clients. We are ready to learn and grow from this incident. We are here, we are here to provide fantastic customer service and delicious meals. Let's all remain socially responsible. One of the things in their original response was you're not here for social for for customer service you're here for food and everyone was like no shut yeah. up no yeah that completely misses the whole point of of going out to i mean that's to me that's not even necessarily reflective of like malicious intent mm -hmm. that's just people who are too entrenched in the business and who are like frankly victims of their own success mm -hmm. were like well we don't have to care about customer service because people are going to come anyway so therefore that's not part of why people are coming and like no people want to go out and have a good time at brunch with their friends that's why brunch is such a popular thing i mean it's it, brunch is also very popular in washington for the record yeah. i mean uh, it, people love to go out on sundays and like they get dressed up a little bit and or maybe people just dress like that here. I don't know. I'm not very fashionable and go out and enjoy, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. They'll drink a few mimosas and bloodies. They'll have a really tasty, like well-cooked meal. I mean, like the restaurants serve good food, but they're they're also out here for the vibes of, of spending time with people. So that's that's really kind of unfortunate that they took such a preachy yeah. uh, kind of lecturing tone. And by the way, Nick, I don't know if you agree with this, but. If somebody says, if, if there's like a qualifier in somebody's apology, then I just don't accept it. I mean, it, it's not, it's not hurtful. It's like, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. Like, that's nonsense. Like, you're, that's, that's like covering your bases. Like, well, if you were bothered by that, then um, I don't want to be annoyed by you being bothered. Yes. Like, no, no, that's, that's, that's a non-apology. That's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It's dishonest. And it, and then it comes, it brings us back to this like justifying ourselves most people spend most of the time justifying themselves even if that happens to include the word sorry in a non-apology sentence yes. which i think is is the case here for sure but there was there was something in that that drew my attention and that is kind of the unfortunate dark underbelly of negative online reviews so there's there, there's like a there, there's like a double-edged sword to this whole review process sure. and we've seen the obvious damage that can be done when people get reviews who are not really um who don't who don't do all the right things who don't really care about customer service that sort of thing but there's another kind of unintended consequence which is that a bunch of like falsehood like misinformation yes. starts spreading about yep. the actual business like For that's sure. unfortunate but then there's collateral damage uh, that goes by the wayside so nick there's there's some uh there's some really negative comments and reviews and there, there are even reports of like the restaurateurs and, and employees getting death threats as a result yep. of responding to Keith Lee in this way. Yep. But it gets even worse when you realize the real milk and honey, as you might expect, uh, milk and honey is a very popular concept, you know, obviously taken from, uh, for, from a lot of like religious tradition. So people use it for restaurant names all the time. And there's another restaurant in Atlanta that has a similar name. It's just called milk and honey. So we're talking about the real milk and honey. That's the full yeah. name of the restaurant. Right. This restaurant is called Milk and Honey. And a lot of people thought, oh, well, that must be the one that Keith Lee is talking about. I'm going to go ahead and take it upon myself right. to harass and threaten people who work at this other restaurant. Of course, people who are harassing and making death threats don't really realize that. It's like when people threaten somebody on 
Twitter or something with a similar handle to the person that they're all the time trying to express their hate yep. to all the time. Yep. So people don't have to be careful online No. and people don't have to like care about each other online either. And so that's why you get this, this vitriol and you know, like actual violent threats toward people because of like negative food reviews. And so this restaurant that just happens to have a similar name is, he's coming under fire because people want to defend Keith Lee and they want to like take it upon themselves to like exact justice. I, I, I don't really understand the whole online vigilante thing, but that's one of the dark realities of gaining notoriety and attention is that it's like, sometimes it, it, it comes along with some pretty, pretty nasty stuff. And I, I do want to give credit to Keith Lee because I, I saw an apology video. It wasn't, it, it was not an apology video. It was him kind of speaking to his fans about yeah, what happened. Statement, like, hey, yeah. Let me be, let me be super clear and honest about this. And as a part of that, he said like, uh, uh, under any circumstances that is not okay in my eyes, referring to the type of inappropriate behavior that was resulting in threats and harassment online both for the actual restaurant that he tried to review and for Milk and Honey, which is totally unrelated to anything that Keith Lee did in Atlanta. Yes. So good for him for kind of getting his base in line and going like, hey, guys, that's not that's not okay. It's completely inappropriate behavior, no matter what the content of the review yeah. is. Like, you're never justified in doing His reviews so always include a disclaimer of like, this is my experience, this is what I think, and I'm not endorsing negative reviews. No one should do that if you don't actually go to the restaurant. That he does that in pretty much every video he does. He's like, this is my. He's very, like I said, nerdy and almost boring in the way he speaks about. This is me. I'm the one. The, but, 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 but. Like this is exactly. And you're right. He's he's also received death threats and things about this. Like because it, it, people are claiming that he's trying to attack businesses. But I mean, the majority of people on the internet are kind of on his side. That the way that the restaurants treated him was not like they weren't attacking him his experience was honest. He represented what it's like to go out to eat in Atlanta and it sucks. And like, I think it sucks uniformly. And if you're a restaurateur in Atlanta, to be frank, there's kind of a real opportunity here for you to do something and, and be a real competitor in the market. Okay. I want to, I want to finish up the last couple of minutes of the show talking about Dave Portnoy, the uh, God in chief of Barstool Sports. And Dave is, is a really polarizing figure. He founded Barstool Sports. It became like a blog and then a bunch of podcasts and videos and they're doing really edgy things. And sometimes they do things that seem smart and they're dumb. And he recently came back in to own the company in one of the best deals in the history of business in the world. He bought his multi-million dollar company back. He bought full ownership of it back for $1 um, because the company that purchased the majority stake, they admitted defeat and sold it back to him. They just didn't want it anymore. So they just gave it back to him and he had to lay some people off and stuff, but he got it back for nothing. When he moved to New York, Barstool was originally based in Boston or Chicago, I don't know, or care. They moved to New York City yeah, where everything so. media happens. And when he moved to New York, he's like, you know what, I'm going to start doing pizza reviews. And it's the same thing like Keith Lee, like, I got it, let's try it, rated 1 through 10. Dave's is one bite, everybody knows the rules, um, which is great. Those little taglines are great, great content. Dave has brought a lot of attention to pizza places that are, were either struggling or not known about. And one of the things I like about Dave and Keith is that they will point out places that don't have the money or understanding of SEO to show up on Yelp and Google. That's what we're really missing. I'm terrible at finding those places on Yelp and Google. I go to Instagram By the way, and Reddit. S SEO, for those of you who are wondering what that means, that's search engine optimization. Yes. And you have to worry about that sort of thing if you're involved in the online. <coughs> oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> There's a cough button, bro. Hit the red out? button. Hit oh. the red button. Hit the red button. Oh, good job. Wow. You're learning this technology quickly. Oh, my God. You've really come a long way. Oh, hopefully we can edit that. My I'm God. not gonna. No way. 
I got that pumpkin spice coffee cream in this one. Really, <laughs> wow, this is great. It's really sticking with me. This is going but on TikTok. Search engine optimization is important for people who are online, and that's yes. increasingly important in a world where people don't like get the white pages anymore. Right. Or uh, is it yellow pages that had the business? Yellow pages section? businesses, white pages people. I think, yeah. Yeah, so if you look up a pizza joint in a phone book 30 years ago, yeah. it's a little bit different now. You Google pizza places and it's Whoever now paid Google or, or yeah. Yelp or Bing or whatever that has like an ad-sponsored revenue model that promotes certain businesses ahead of others. And so you don't get like a comprehensive listing of like here's every pizza joint within a you know 10-mile radius. Right. You get here's what is promoted to the top of the search engine results that you used that helps the company that owns the search engine. If you don't do SEO, then you're not going to be as successful in online advertising. It's going to be harder for you to get foot traffic. And if you don't have someone in your corner that understands how TikTok and Instagram work, you're screwed on the social media front as well. And that's like photos and interacting with people and that kind of thing. Now, I'm not going to say this is a blanket statement because I don't know for sure, but I'm 99.99999% sure that neither Keith Lee nor Dave Portnoy have ever taken money to do a food review or a pizza review. Keith Lee has said, like people, because food reviewers will charge you like 300 bucks to review your restaurant and put it out to their followers, which is a good business. That's fine. That's not a review. That's an endorsement. That's advertising. Um, Yes, it is. That's advertising. I'm nearly 100% positive that neither Dave nor Keith have ever done that. This is, these are reviews. They're recommended from people in their DMs. I think Dave has a whole team of people like, here, go to this place in Connecticut, go to that place in Boston, whatever. The, the problem that I have with Portnoy's reviews are probably because I used to do beer reviews and they had some pretty significant traffic for my tiny little corner. You got to bring those back, man. Yeah, I should. People really those liked are, them. Those are the best thing that you produce. The, thanks, man. <laughs> you said about your own podcast. <laughs> Look, um, it, it, it is what it is. Look so it up I, on YouTube. Follow, follow beer, Game Theory on YouTube. Uh, look up yeah. Nick's beer reviews. No, I'll put quality them back stuff. I'll, put them, I'll, I'll start them up again. The Bring pro- them back. The, the, holiday season's upon us. It's love, beer time. I love holiday beer, too. I've had drank so much Oktoberfest. The Delirium years. Noel. Call it's back. Name. It's already back. Mad Elf is not your friend. Um, so <laughs> the problem no, that I found... My enemy. The problem, he's not your friend. He, he looks like he's your happy friend. He's not your friend. I found reviewing beer, the biggest problem was giving a good review to something that you didn't enjoy. So my biggest my biggest critique of Portnoy is that he's got a very specific style of pizza he wants. I would call it like classic thin crust, like 1999 genre. He likes a little bit of a crunchy crust, nice thin layer of stuff, like a reasonable amount of cheese and sauce. He wants the cheese to be like, you know, appropriately cooked where it's really stretchy. The problem that I have with, and I have, don't follow because the reviews are like four minutes too long for me, but um, I think that one of the problems with him is that he likes a very specific style of pizza. So if it's even off from the style that he likes, is it a problem that I had reviewing beer was like, I don't love IPAs. Can I give an IPA a high grade, even though that like, do I have the ability to grade something highly that I don't like in my mouth? You know, it's so like, that's, that's one of the issues that I have with that. So Dave could theoretically give a pizza place you know, a nine something grade and both, let me be very clear, both Keith and Dave are very stingy about grades in the nines. Like they do not. And that's part of being a reviewer. You can't just give shit out. Right. So they, Dave and Keith are yeah. very good about that. But for Dave, if, if he gives something like a six, seven is like, well, is that an adjusted six, seven for not being your style? Is this really like a seven, five? Cause if, if you give a pizza place, if Dave Portnoy gives a pizza place that most people haven't heard of, like a nine grade, it will immediately with the next three months, it will not I mean, it's going to be printing money. And that's really helpful for these businesses that are either struggling or no one knows about or just starting can be a really great thing. I just wonder about how much of the reviewers partiality matters here. Because Keith, I think, does a better job of being like, I didn't like the seasoning, but it was really seasoning. It was a little too spicy for me, but whatever. And he's like, if you like like spicy, this is an eight. It's like, that's to me a little bit more honest than Dave being like, you know, I don't really 
this is like so because I've seen them in reviews before. Like this is my pizza. Like this is what I like it to look like. That and that's you know nothing against Portnoy. That's just something that I I've struggled with that myself. I don't love IPAs. How am I going to give an IPA a ten? It's really hard to be like, oh, this is good. This is what it should taste like. Yeah, and and that's where you you do have to do the work of like your, your criticism kind of became its own field of mm-hmm. art. I think sure. I, I think criticism like real criticism is is genuinely an art. It kind of came to be, uh, and I learned this from reading the book that I've been telling you about that uh, Dawn to Decadence. I should read that. It's it's an incredible book, incredibly dense stuff. Uh, but criticism kind of came into its own as a, a form of artistic expression in like the 17th century, as like art became more prominent and more popular, sure. and as styles changed. And doing real criticism is very different from doing like biography. You know, if is this a Portnoy pizza review that tells you something about Dave Portnoy, or is it something that tells you about the pizza? Yeah, and that's that's why criticism is really hard to do. I mean, giving reviews is not. It's not easy. You have to you have to know what you're talking about. So like you can do a beer review because you've drunk, I don't know, forty eight million gallons yeah. of beer over the course of your lifetime. You know what you're you know what you're talking about. You know what you're looking at. You're yeah. I don't know if you're an expert, but you're not a you're not a casual, you're not pedestrian about yeah, it. Yeah, that's and that's that's and, part of it too, is like understanding like are you are you critiquing the art? Are you critiquing yourself? Are you like giving an endorsement? Do people care what you think about or are you just kind of the 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 messenger here? Yeah, it's like I said, criticism is not biography. It's a it's a really hard thing to do, which I I think is this is this whole story of like Keith Lee and and what happened in Atlanta, I think is an interesting look for us at criticism as an idea. Yeah. And I said earlier, a lot of people, I think, are drawn to what they perceive as authentic, honest, straightforward reviews because they want to know what they're getting into. And for whatever reason, that draws people. It's not that Keith Lee is inaccessible or he's too smart and he's like using vocabulary that's like oh yeah this is this I, I understand this at a level that's deeper than most people no a lot of people see this guy they see the authenticity they think oh this is how I would be honest about this experience too and they see a reflection of themselves in that and, and I wonder if you know the the state of criticism in food with like social media and the internet is that I want to see myself in whatever this review is because I want to put myself in the shoes of the reviewer and imagine what my experience will be like if and when I go to this restaurant or if and when I try this pizza. So I think that just tells you a little little something about yeah. how people consume these types of reviews today. It's not like who's the best, who's the smartest, who's the most knowledgeable critic out there. It's who's the most representative of what I can imagine myself doing at a at a future point. Like the the criticism isn't about the it's not about the thing that's being critiqued even and it's not even about the person doing the critique. It's not about the critic. It's about me. It's about the consumer and so better reflections of myself are more appealing to me. And so I'm going to take them seriously and I'm going to go to the places that this person says sound good because I probably will think they're pretty good too. Yeah. And I think that the, the level of trust is really important here. I think Dave Portnoy and Keith Lee both represent ourselves where say like a reviewer for like slate or the New York times or LA times or whatever. You're like, this is a kind of a hoity toity person who's reviewing it. Dave's like me. Keith is like me. It's like, is this good? Should I go there? Like, what does it look like? How can I get just like an honest picture of what the pizza looks like without portrait mode and editing? And Dave's like, yep, there it is. It says eight. Like, oh, good. How much is it? 20 bucks? Done. Let's go get that for dinner. That's what, and that's what Keith is doing too. It's because we trust them. And specifically, Dave is a significantly more polarizing and interesting character for many, many other aspects of his life. But the pizza stuff, and at, he has a trust 
of his audience and his audience believes that he's being genuine about this. So you can be like, look at these pizza reviews and they're like, okay, like that's good. And he's like, yeah, this one uh, underwhelmed me. It's burnt six, six point five. Like, okay. Or like this one, I don't think I've ever seen Dave give a really shitty review for like a genuine place that's trying. So I think Dave's, I think Dave's reviews are actually adjusted. I think that he's got a bell curve at five unless the, the business was terrible or something. Um, well, and it could also be the case that he just likes pizza and yeah. pizza is really good yes. and easy to like. That's true. When's the like, last, when's time, the last you time you had, had a 4.2 truly... pizza? Yeah, I mean, come on. They, 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 there's there's one place in Washington, I won't even say the name of it, that, like, that's not good pizza. But that's once in, mm -hmm. I don't know, I've been eating pizza for a long time. Yep. I put a lot of them away, okay? <laughs> and I've rarely met one that I don't like. Yeah, yeah so, that's a good point. Yeah, th so you got you to gotta kind of factor that in too. But, and, and I also think that this is the, the, the kind of final point here is that this is about social media and how people consume things online day to day. Yep. It, social media has, in, in my estimation, uh, kind of replaced the television set for like millennials and Gen Z. Sure. Like the, it, you know, the, the TV is on, but it's, it's not the same kind like you're not sitting down and watching cable and surfing channels and you know, your favorite shows on every Wednesday at seven. It's, you got the streaming service on in the background, you figure out what to watch and you pull up your small screen while your big screen is on in the background to reward yourself of a day looking at the middle size screen. Yep. You know, so it's, it, it's a different way of consuming. And I, I think the online curated environment that's algorithm driven, that's low effort, that's kind of a, a way for people to just distract themselves. Well, when you see a review that's like that and like, Oh, it's easy to put myself in, in this person's shoes because I'm putting in very little effort here in what I'm doing and how I'm consuming this. Like, yeah. Like that, that type of audience is primed to a certain type of reviewer and Keith Lee and Dave Portnoy just happened to be it. Yeah, and I think, yeah, that's that's exactly right. And I think, like, Keith doing a mix of hole-in-the-wall, like, pizza joints and also, like, high-level brunch place in Atlanta, that's his audience. Dave doing, you know, hole-in-the-wall pizza reviews, that's that's his audience. That's the Barstool Sports right. consumer for the most part. It aligns with that. The second thing I'll say, in a weird way, in a, in a, in a meta sense, I find myself trying to review my own consumption of specifically TikTok because it's such a dangerous algorithm. You, know, you got to be on top of that. The difference between well, in TikTok, those messages do actually help. The the um, for real, they really and they, I think they're got kind of government mandated by the United States. But um, should we try to put those into our? No show? chance. Someone's been scrolling through our shit for two hours in a row. <laughs> There's <laughs> no way. But what I was going to say was that I think I try to review my own TikTok consumption and navigate between like what's just entertaining cats and dogs where I'm really wasting my time just kind of doing a dopamine drug versus like this Keith Lee thing to me, this is news. I, this is, I, I have a, I, I studied this. I know what news is. And this Keith Lee Atlanta shit is news. Like it's what's going on. Here's a reviewer. Here's a critic. The critic is getting criticized. There's critiquing. And then there are experts weighing in with their actual opinion. There are marketers and there are black historians and there are Atlantans. And like, this is news. This is a, this is a 20 page feature in the New Yorker. This is news. And, and I, I, I don't feel bad about consuming all of this. This is your OJ trial. This is your white Bronco. Uh, honestly, I, I want it to get worse, but I know it's over. I'm looking, honey. Somebody clearly contacted someone in PR for that goddamn apology, and I wanted it to get worse. <laughs> well, unfortunately, things got better before they got worse. They did. Um, we would like to apologize. It's not our fault we didn't put together an episode. It's your fault for being upset just, for missing our last episode. That's just how things are done here. <laughs> Wait in your car. Uh, it's going to be a good fall, Chris. We've got a lot of cool stuff coming up. You know what? I've, I've been dabbling. We have some episodes that are kind of we've been waiting to do. I want to do... We might have to jump the ship again and do Michigan cheating if more news comes out. <laughs> Michigan keeps cheating and cheating well, and worse cheating. Worse than that, I they keep getting eating it. caught. Unbelievable You know what stuff. the SEC Off knows? Sec. That the Big Ten doesn't... Don't get caught. That's right. It's not cheating. Snitches. You get away with it. <laughs> <laughs>